0: All right, we are back for episode two. Um, I think episode
1: one, the first one was an intro, is
0: not it? You know what? I'm trying to make this professional. All right, (laughs) episode two. Um, I think he ended off with with where in the Bible does this say? You
1: can't smoke hookah.
0: Okay. Are you Googling that right now? Yeah,
1: right now. Okay. First scripture says, Is hookah smoking a sin? It's the first thing that pops up. There's two forms. This is good. This is interesting. Uh, recently purchased a hookah. Something I really enjoy. No, just smoking a cigar. Just as smoking a cigar is not a sin. That's a pretty easy answer. I just wasn't aware of smoking at all was a sin. I knew that smoking too much, just like drinking too much is a sin. I mean, yeah, I don't think that sitting somewhere and smoking a hookah while talking about God is sinful. Um Matthew But do
0: you think it's like a gateway though?
1: I mean if that's the case everything is a gateway. Right?
0: Define everything though.
1: If you gamble too much to say. If you play pool too much, if you play cards, or if you like spades, then, like, that could be a gateway into drinking or putting yourself in a certain situation where you're going to do something that you know you have no business doing as it relates to the Bible. Uh, New Testament, not Old Testament. But <laughs> you got to specify. Because in the Old Testament, like wearing clothing made from different skins is a sin. Or even in the Old Testament, it talks about the inter- Mixing of uh, tribes, like that's a sin. Just like interracial marriages, basically in the Bible, somewhere it's a sin. It's like I don't think so.
0: Shout out to the New Testament.
1: Yeah, Luke six fifty. I'm sorry, Luke six forty five. A good man out of good treasure of his heart, bright, bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of heart is of the heart, his mouth speaketh. So, nah, sitting around smoking hookah and talking politics or talking Bible, that can't be sinful because, you know, there are great conversations that come from it. And even though I think it can also be a means to kind of opening up the dialogue even even more. I used to have, uh, back in Lynchburg, we had small groups Mm at a cigar bar. And the owner, he was the one who would host them so we just get free cigars. Free cigars. <laughs> free cigars. he just give us all cigars and then send us home with like five or six. And a burst to like study for the week.
0: He's a good man.
1: That's good right. good times.
0: Good times. i to go
1: back. See if he remembers me. <laughs> just to get some free cigars. That's petty. <laughs> That's not petty. Hey John, remember me?
0: <laughs> his name would be John.
1: He's like a giant white dude. He's like six six, Belly past his feet. It's like... <laughs> he's, he's a cool dude but you knew like he was a republican and so it was just even funnier for me
0: he's a trump supporter
1: yeah probably
0: that's sad I think that's interesting the whole trump situation like how out of everything America is supposed to stand for how is trump the president
1: biblically or just like the tunnel oh, i moments. didn't even think biblically how do you connect that biblically i mean uh, there's this whole weird part of america called middle america <laughs> like colorado like north and south dakota and like there's this whole part of america that feels like they're like nobody really cares about what they've got going on also the number of minorities there drops to like 0.5 percent or something stupid I literally went to Liberty with people from Colorado in particular who had never seen a black person before in their lives. So, like, all they knew was the stereotype seen on TV mm-hmm. if they were allowed to watch TV or movies or whatever. And so, Dang. when you take that into consideration, how did Obama become president? <laughs> really? It was all a dream. <laughs> you know, like, millennials really came out. Millennials, baby boomers the generations of the oppressed really came out and made this man who he is. And then, I think, slight white guilt helped a little bit, too. Hey,
0: well, you know, we take all wins. Yeah. I'm not gonna uh, lie. No, I, remember, not I remember people it. coming out saying, you're gonna vote for Obama just because he's black? Yep. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I, I don't care. You can judge me if you
1: want to, but we ain't never seen one. You can't do any worse than what y'all already doing. So... And Obama's only scandal, his entire campaign was Uh his pastor. he was like, God damn America or something like that. Which if you listen to the entire sermon, which Mm -hmm. I did, of course, (laughs) what he said, what he was really saying was God has damned America because America has turned its back on God. Kind of what we were talking about before about like putting God first and then everything else comes into place. Yeah, that dude had a powerful message. So, that's interesting making
0: intimacy with the Holy Spirit your number one aim yeah that's what I got out of that I think when you think about it it's like I think people forget I know I do at times how willing the Holy Spirit is to help you in every situation of course so it's like sometimes we'll try to do something on our own for a certain period of time and then once we don't have any more strength then we go to the Holy Spirit then we go to God like hey God could you help me out with this But what would happen in our life if we chose the Holy Spirit first before anything else?
1: I think what has happened should be how you look at it. Because everyone hits that low point Mm -hmm. where they actually do put God first. And then it's like, Oh then you got the job. Then you got the house and the car and everything worked out. And then you forgot. All right. You you go through these highs and lows of like getting back into the rat race of stuff. But it's only at your lowest valley that every everybody turns to God. Then it's like, oh, it's fast. I really, I really do need Him. But it's like you always needed Him. You just forgot that you needed Him because you let everything else build up around you—kids, bills. You know, uh,
0: that's kind of like Peter when he stepped walked out on water. It was like as long as his face was focused on Jesus, then he was good. But when he got distracted by the waves and everything else going yeah. on around him, mm. then he started to sink.
1: Yeah, but Peter is like the one out of every thousand Christians kind of deal. And not even being funny, but being real. Like most people are like everybody else in the boat. It's a ghost, right? I don't trust it. Back off. You know What are you doing? Right? Who is this dude? I mean, in all honesty. And the, I think the crazy part is in all reality, we all should be Peter's. But it's only the Peters out there that become pastors and bishops and archbishops and you know suffocant bishops and you know yeah. the, the suffocant bishops, what is that? It's like a thing in the Kojic church, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a bishop who's been around for a while, so he's like retired or, I don't know. But uh, when you talk about like the hierarchy of the church, everybody attains to be Peter. But what they don't realize is all it takes is one step and you're on water, right? And then it takes another step and then you're both feet. That's real. And then you it just, you you just step. take steps. That's all. Um, I've never wanted to be a pastor because I feel like it, there are so many of them out there, right? Why can't I just be me and just be able to speak to people in whatever setting I'm in Or in whatever way that I can So that, you know I don't have that That hierarchy to answer to Because church is a business Right In in all reality it's
0: But it's like kingdom business It's not like a typical business Where it's like People just out Well, I would say it's, It shouldn't be a business Where people are just out to make money Okay There are some churches that are founded And they are out to make money And that's It's just
1: keeping it 100 I, I feel like as a millennial Uh huh we have made church a business. And I say we because there are so many young pastors out there who are legitly making salaries. But
0: there's old pastors out there doing that too.
1: True. But we've also learned that from them and from down the line. And honestly, prosperity preaching since like 82 has not made it any better. We, we Instead of going out and doing mission trips in, you know, some of the poorest areas of the country, mm-hmm. not downing mission trips out of the country, but I'm saying like we'll write self-help books to plan missions trips to Israel or to plan missions trips to Africa or whatever when it's like you have homeless people in your neighborhood. Yeah. Right. The average church in America with at least fifteen members brings in about fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year. That's with a small congregation. When you talk about mega churches, a mega church in America is any church that holds a congregation over like two hundred people mm-hmm. every service. Those churches bring in the upwards of like a hundred thousand dollars a year right? It don't cost that much to keep the lights on. It can't. But where's all this money going? Right? We gotta pay drummers. We gotta pay bassists. We gotta pay the keyboardists. We gotta pay, you know, the the associate pastor and then the pastor and then the assistant pastor and the secretary to answer the phones all day. We we put too much emphasis in the business of church instead of the kingdom of church.
0: I feel like, But don't you think that that helps in the worship experience? Having a drummers, having a keyboard person, having a people that you do have to pay in order to kind of create that environment where people can worship freely. Sure, of course. Because here in America, everybody's not, you're not going to worship in a church that ain't got no AC. Let's sure. just keep it 100. Sure. So there's certain things that come with being here in America that do costs And you expect that cost to fall strictly on the pastor or... or
1: no. What, what I'm saying is like, when I was playing in the band, I never took a salary. I never took any money They literally had to make me take it. I took the lowest amount. It was like 50 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. You know, why? Because in my mind, if I'm playing for the advancement of the kingdom, Mm -hmm. right, then God will supply everything else for me that I need. If that's my main mission. Mm -hmm. Right. But in reality, those people that we do hire, we hire to keep them because most of their, not all of them, but most of their mentalities aren't set on God first. It's making money. It's it's playing at this church long enough to get on an album or playing to make connections or, mm-hmm. you know, and that just comes from, again, the prosperity mindset of it all.
0: Well, I commend you, one, for pe- playing, like, <coughs> like, for wanting to have it in the heart to play for free, but it's like, that's not a comic thing. Like, you're very unique in your desire to, to play just because you love God. Yeah, the Peter
1: of the, of the musicians. I'll take that. <laughs> there you go (laughs) but that's not
0: like realistically churches have to pay for the drama they have to pay for the people who are active in the church that have made that their
1: job so it's like i wouldn't say they have to culture dictates that we do i agree with that but if we if we are the generation that everybody preaches about in terms of like changing the culture Mm -hmm. right then we could redefine that one way, shape, or form, right? Why am I paying um, a? I think at one point I know my church was paying our musician like thirty thousand a year to play, you know? and he couldn't go anywhere else. Like that was it. But why am I paying him thirty thousand when people's lights are getting shut off, when people's water and like utilities and like everything else in other people's households aren't being met?
0: But is the need being communicated. Like say you're a member at a church. How many members are going up to the pastor and say, hey, my license is being cut off. And the pastor don't help. I don't, know. I, don't that's, know. I think that's another thing. It's like it's a pride with people have pride so they don't speak up and say what their need is. Like for pastors, they're trying to pay off buildings so that way they can expand if they choose to or kind of move forward in their ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's like they need that additional income in order to maintain the house of God.
1: Sure. Sure, I'll take that. But then again, do you? Because for every one church that pops up, another one closes down, right? Because it
0: couldn't manage the finances, though.
1: Right. But if you could, instead of building a new church, why not just move into another one? That's what I'm saying. For every new church that someone builds, mm-hmm. another giant church is being closed down, right?
0: I don't think they have a network set up to do that, though. Set one up. Maybe you got a new business picture right there. You could be that guy. Hey, I believe in you. There are,
1: the, the Catholic Church is falling in numbers on a consistent basis. How do I know this? Back in Lynchburg, this church started up. They were in this little warehouse building. Their numbers arose to like 400 people per service. But instead of wasting, I don't say wasting, instead of spending the money to buy or build a new church, Right. Their pastor was like, hey, this church down the street, they have low numbers, they have a giant church that's barely being used. He literally went up to them. Hey, we want to use your church for afternoon service. Sure, of course. Right. To the point where now their congregation has died out, basically, they sold the church to, you know, the pastor. Right. Talking about a predominantly white church selling their church to now predominantly African-American, we'll call them a millennial church. Mm -hmm. They literally bought that church for little to nothing. I'm going to say like 1.5 mil. That happened here. Right? Now the church is thriving. Yeah. You're talking about a building that has history, that has uh, roots already set in a community already, and you're just coming in and continuing the kingdom Mm -hmm. instead of building your church outside of city limits because you can't find anywhere within the city, you know? It's like
0: well, we know that happens though. That. It may not, it may not happen a lot, but it happens, especially here. Like Richmond, it happened here at TLC. I mean,
1: they,
0: it was I don't church know. there previously. It was, and then they moved in, and now they kind of continue the kingdom mission. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it happens. I just don't think that there's any person who's in that space that's connecting foreclosing churches to people trying to buy churches. Like, no, because church.
1: it's, it's a level of pride. That, that's what really what it goes back yeah. to. And wherever there's pride, there's there's space for the enemy to deceive us and make us think that like, oh, you know, either you can't afford it or you're not gonna get it. Mm -hmm. And so you don't ask, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you just open your mouth and ask God for what you need, Mm -hmm. then he'll provide it, right? If you're doing, if you're already following in his will anyway, and um, I think pride Especially in the black church, is one of those like cancerous things. I
0: hate when people say, especially in the black church, or especially, especially like it's like we project this negative image of the black church by ourselves. Like, I'm sure that there's probably more serious things going on in a predominantly white church than there is a black church.
1: I would agree, but it's like, why I can only say that, okay, but why is a
0: stereotype from what I've seen in a black church? Like, people always say. In a black church. Because
1: I've taken the time to go out and experience it, right? I went to a predominantly, call them Southern Baptist Pentecostal church for a while. Those people paid my bills for like the entire year I was there. Like, paid my rent, paid, (laughs) gave me a little stipend (laughs) for food. Like, they were so committed to seeing me succeed that money was not an option. Like, money didn't matter to them, right? Whereas, I've called my pastor back home and asked him to help me with my rent. You know what he told me? Mm-hmm. Well, Paul says a man that doesn't work doesn't eat. <laughs> he hung up the phone, right? <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's brutal. dang, that's son. Brutal. Like, I'm, I'm hurting. I am working. I am trying. I just need the help of the community that I've worked so hard to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Whereas the day I stepped in Lynchburg <laughs> and started going to this predominantly white church, they took me in. They understood I was a student. And that was never an issue. I always, I always complate the black church to yeah, other yeah, churches it's other, it's because it's like, that's kind of how the household dynamic is set up as well, All right? Once you leave home in the black house, you're probably not going back. Like, there's a very slim chance that you're going to be welcomed back with open arms. Mm-hmm. But I had a professor who, in his 30s, his wife and three kids, like, he was getting his PhD. Mm-hmm. He couldn't afford where they were living. And his parents literally, like, redid the basement for his entire family to stay there. Mm-hmm. No rent required. Hey, help with the bills when you can. And they made mm-hmm. away. Now, I'm not saying that that's just how both of them work. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying the way in which culture has taught us, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it works. You know? It's just somehow... We all know why, social injustice and okay, the world's right. gap. I was about and, to say yeah, sure, but there's, there's, there's a lot life. of factors always been that go into that.
0: Like you kinda of limited to like just race, whites and blacks, but like, it's like that's not a fair statement. That would say that we're on the same like we have the same economic starting point. No, right? of course not. So it's like of course, of course that. that church can help support you financially, but it's like when well, you growing spiritually. Like I feel like in a black church you grow more spiritually than you would at some other churches. Because you have that sense of community. Like, we understand each other's struggle because we both are African-Americans. Like, we both have to deal with the, the, the injustice. We, we have to deal with the police shootings, We have to deal with the changing culture. We have to deal with all these other things. So it's like the amount of spirit that you may feel just by being in a community of other people who go through your everyday experiences. I think that's bigger than just somebody who can financially be there to support you.
1: The problem, I agree with what you're saying my only problem with that is if you never step outside of your community mm-hmm. to find out if there is a community out there willing to help you mm-hmm. then how can you say that you can only grow you or you can grow more spiritually here than you can there right because i, I learned how it. to study there i learned I like hanging out with my my lighter complexion <laughs> counterparts <laughs> you know? i learned how to i learned how to really study i learned how to okay, we don't have to have Bible study here. We can have it at a cigar lounge. Mm-hmm. I learned that from them. No, we don't have to always have Bible study. We can go play pool. We can go play soccer. We can go play baseball. And the Holy Spirit will still work and still show himself in whatever we're doing as long as we're doing it together. Like, even the idea of small groups, that, yeah, that's more like of a newer term mm-hmm. for some people. But this is something that, like, it, when you look at what they do culturally right? They'll have small groups and it'll be like just a potluck. Nope. They'll have an opening prayer, maybe a closing prayer, but that'll be it. They'll just be sitting around eating food, playing chess the whole time, right? It's like there are certain dynamics of the church experience Mm -hmm. that the Black Church has cut itself off to Mm -hmm. by not being willing to go to and experience other places. Because if I said, hey, TLC... Let's, let's have church at a, or let's have small groups at a cigar bar. People will look at me like, what?
0: We had it at a club though. Why not? Why that programs? was,
1: no, that's different because. How is that different? It's different because you're saying, the pastor is saying, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to have church here, mm-hmm. right? The way in which the culture is set up, whatever he says goes, right? But I'm saying, as a leader of a small group, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to have my small group at a cigar or a cigar bar the majority of people would probably go ask his permission mm-hmm. before coming to say, yeah, I, we think that's okay. And you know what? We'll even do an experiment for it because we're trying to find a place anyway.
0: <laughs> right? I mean, you got to respect the chain of authority. Like if he's a pastor of a church,
1: you do have to, you? Come... It's, a, it's all volunteer. I mean, not, not saying no, nah, you can't. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But what I'm saying is there's a level of, you, you always have to backtrack in the black church. I got to backtrack to make sure that the pastor says it's okay. Whereas in other churches that I've gone to, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, go. I, you know, why are you even asking me this? <laughs> right? I've literally seen it. Like, oh, we're going to have small groups at a bar. All right, cool. I'm coming. Like, let's go. Why is that a big deal? Right? Going out and having a beer or having a couple of drinks while also still discussing the word.
0: I, I think it's more so the appearance that it'll give. And the Bible, it talks about don't do something i don't know the exact wording, but it's like don't do something that could potentially lead somebody else to stumble or somebody else to fall Mm -hmm. and i think when you have a small group session in a environment where there may be some temptation so it may be liquor there may be cigars it may be something that tempts other people you don't want to put yourself in that situation because you may cause that person to stumble so you might be strong enough to only have one drink and still be good and be Mm -hmm. able to talk about god and articulate your thoughts but somebody else may have one drink and that'd be a doorway for them to have five six seven eight nine and before you know it mm-hmm. you put that person in a position where they've stumbled and now they gotta repent and get so it's like i think that's why you want to kind of go through those chains of authority because the pastor for one he has insight for oversight so he know he should know what's going on in his church and it's like he doesn't want to put his members or the image of the church or anything like that at risk, mm-hmm. as a smallest group leader, it's like you're in a position where you do have some level of influence, but he doesn't want the influence to distract people from what the church is doing—the bigger mission of the church.
1: Sure. Okay. I'll take that. And I mean, in theory, sure. <laughs> I, I just mean, don't. I, I just was, don't I I would, believe in. I believe, I believe that,
0: in the goodness of the passage. So that's not, how. I see No,
1: that's not what I'm anymore. saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is, if, if conversation mm-hmm. me and you. Right? And mm-hmm. you don't know me. And I'm like, hey, I'm about to go smoke a cigar. Mm-hmm. You want to come? Right? I've given you the option. I'm not telling you anything. It's just an option. Small groups are a complete option. Right? You sign up for it. You decide to come. You know your level of you know, sin versus not sin. Cool. Right? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all I can tell you. Right? Because my, my level of conviction isn't going to be yours. Obviously. True. That's right? Right, my true. level of maturity isn't going to be that's yours right. either. So if I'm saying, hey, I'm going to hold my small group here for the mature-minded people that want to come, in my mind, the fact that you even have to go ask permission or go ask if it's okay, obviously, you're not mature enough to be in this setting, right? So just don't come, (laughs) right? I feel like most people most people set themselves up to hear a no rather than just tell themselves, you know what? That's just not for me, right? Or worse, they set themselves up for it to be a big deal. Rather than just saying, you know what, hey, they're going to go talk Bible. Supposedly, I just don't enjoy that 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 environment. I'm just not going to go. No, what they want to hear is what most people want to hear. At least in my mind, mm-hmm. is the is the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, the no. They want to hear the no. Mm-hmm. Pastor said you can't do that. All right, cool. I mean. It wasn't a big deal the last five weeks we did it, but now all of a sudden that you don't like it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Now all the other people who were saved, blessed, and were receiving the Holy Spirit can't go anymore. You know? In my experience, that's normally how it is. It's it's not so much as a level yes. of conviction, mm-hmm. it's more so that person's ego <laughs> because they can't take it. Right or they they know that that's not an environment that they're going to succeed in,
0: so it go back to pride
1: it, that person's pride because that person's level of Christianity isn't there, right, and they're so prideful to just say, "I can't take that right now. they go back and they try to destroy something that a lot of people were having a great time with.
0: I think pride is the greatest enemy of true Christianity,
1: sure, I'll take that, yeah,
0: because it's like I't even think about times where I've like stumbled for dum dumb stuff. And it was always about proving that I was somebody who either I thought I was or some people said that I was. Yeah. So
1: And it's even worse in in Christendom because everybody wants to be the hands and feet, but nobody's willing to be the liver or the heartbeat or like any other extremity of God. Everybody wants to be out there what you can see. Right. But nobody wants to be, you know, the the spine nobody wants to be the parts that you don't see right the intertwining things where it is you're in the background and you're just doing the work that you can do right everybody wants to be the face of god but nobody right. wants to be you know the behind the ears type guy <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense right in terms of what you can see and what you don't think about everybody wants to be at the forefront i'll i'll be okay with being in his hand. I'd be okay to be in his armpit. I just want to be there. Facts. Right? <laughs> Facts. I don't care what part I am. I just want Next. to be in his presence. It doesn't matter to me how everyone else perceives it. As long as I'm there, I'm good. You know? Like and even even in that statement, right? <laughs> on. It's it's like, man. Everybody just wants to be visible so bad and I mean that's also culturally too just like with our generation Facebook and Twitter and everybody no, wants to be successful but nobody wants to put in the work
0: I've been on Facebook that's a quote that's a quotable everybody wants to be <laughs> successful but nobody wants to put in the work true. that's a fact
1: Good.
0: I've been off of Facebook for almost three weeks now
1: hmm.
0: I've been more productive in the last three weeks than I feel like I've been in a very long time sure True. Social media is truly like a dick I've been on Facebook and Instagram. Those only tell more. Mm-hmm. I've been off of that for a month and I've been like twice as productive. Really? Like reality is kinda of challenging, but the fact that you know where you're at knows what type of work you need to be putting How now. is
1: reality challenging? If anything, it should be more should be more in tune with reality because you're not looking at everybody else's and you're not looking at everybody else's false sense of reality also. I was
0: saying that social media is a good distraction yeah it is it's so it's like you get to see a full picture of what you got going on you're not distracted by social media yeah. and unless like week the first week i was struggling i'm not gonna lie but the second week i've been doing more like work towards my career and my mm-hmm. professional development my spiritual growth my connecting and it's like without the social media um comparison wheel because that's what i call it it's yeah. like you just compare yourself to with them. Oh, they got married. They have having a kid. They just yeah. took a trip. It's like All an actual...
1: I think, like... I don't know if the CDC is on it yet, but I know that there are a lot of leading front-runner, like, psychology minds that are saying that, like, social media depression is a real thing. You Ain't get it? on social media first thing in the morning and you see how great everybody else's life is. And then you instantly, like, roll back your entire life. And you're like, oh, man, I'm not doing as great as so and And it's like... If if that's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, there's already a problem. <laughs> right? If you're not opening your Bible or, you know, at least saying a good thank you, Lord, for waking me up, or anything along that regards, then you're already five steps behind everybody else. Or at least you're five steps behind what you should be anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? Um I, I don't say this to brag, but like the first thing I do when I wake up is open my Bible app. Like I'm yeah. checking and not waiting for the ping of the scripture of the day type deal either. I'm like, I'm like, I already know what I'm going to read. Cause it's based off whatever I read the night before. And like, I'm very, again, not to be prideful. I'm, I'm very diligent about reading something mm-hmm. every day, whether it's an article or whether it's what's going on in Israel and Palestine right now, or like something mm-hmm. historical as it relates to the Bible. I'm, I'm very, very, intimate with that because i feel like that's the only way you're ever going to learn that's the only way you're ever going to be able to have in-depth conversations with people like everybody wants to be these super deep christians but nobody knows scripture 101 of the top 100 scriptures right everybody just knows the top 100 john three sixteen. Maybe something from Proverbs, you know, but nobody knows uh, Malachi. Nobody, nobody reads.
0: Well, the man, bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: that's know. like one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? nobody's out here reading Deuteronomy. <laughs> nobody's out here reading, you know, Second uh, Corinthians or anything like that. Or even knows what Third Corinthians is. Like nobody out here. Like I'm guilty on that one. I don't know what Third Corinthians is. It's it's literally like one of those books that. People they purposely didn't put in one because they don't believe that Paul wrote it, and then also two because it kind of contradicts 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Is it like
0: one of those lost books of the Bible's
1: thing? It's not even a lost book. I mean, you can find it almost anywhere. Okay. Yeah. It's just one of those books that um when they were creating the Bible, it was like, ah, this is going to confuse people. And, you know, depending on how deep your study is, you'll see that there are a lot of books out there where it's like, oh wait, this person said this in this book but now they're saying this now. Let's leave this out because it would probably be better for the people
0: kind of deal. That's why we call him Doc, ladies and gentlemen. This is exactly why. <laughs> I this <just> mess up. <laughs>